This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Okay, so I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, I'd love to start off by just hearing a little bit about you and, you know, maybe where you where you're from, okay. your family, pets, okay. you know, just have some context of, of you before we jump in. <laughs> So my name is Trevor Taylor. I uh, I live here in Utah. I moved around a lot, but I did high school in the East Coast in Connecticut. And I feel like where you do high school is kind of like probably where most people consider home. That's where you make a lot of your a lot of your friends and um, a lot of your like coming to adulthood experiences start. <laughs> yep. Um, but uh, then I I left home when I was eighteen. Uh, I joined the military. From there, I, I got stationed in Texas. I did a 13-month deployment to Iraq. Then I came home and I, I stayed in Texas for a number of years. And then I, I ping-ponged kind of all over the country. I lived in California and Washington and Oregon and Arizona. My family relocated to Utah like, like let's see, five or six years ago. And um, I just wanted to be closer to them. So I, I moved to Utah and it just kind of stuck. Yeah, I, I like it here. So... <laughs> Are you, do you, are you married? Do you have any kids? Any of that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. When I moved to Utah, uh, it was cause I was, um, trying to get sober. So I was in hair school. I'm, I'm a licensed cosmetologist. I was not going to graduate because my drinking and addictions had just like taken too deep of a root and I could not break them. And so I called my folks here in Utah and I was like, Hey, I'm, I need to graduate school. So I, I would like to transfer there and like try and get sober and um, graduate and like see this thing through my parents being, you know, wonderful parents were like, yeah, we have a, a loft above our garage. There's nothing in it. It's just framed. But if you want to stay there, you can. And I was like, yeah, honestly, if I don't do that, then I don't know what I'm going to be doing. So I came here. I did that. I did a couple of side jobs and saved up some money and I bought a, a little camper trailer and I, I went door to door. I just knocked on like lots of local farms and ranches and, and asked anybody if they're interested in doing like um, work for trade. And uh, eventually I found this lady who owned an equestrian center with like 80 horses. There was this lot on top of the whole property that had this beautiful view of like all of Utah Valley. She let me run water to it and run electric. And I put my trailer up there after work. I would I would fix stalls and do property maintenance. And every Friday night to stay out of trouble, I would rake the arena. I did that and like focused on school and getting sober. And while I was doing that, there was this one horse that kept breaking his stall, like at least once a week. I was fixing it all the time. And while I was fixing it, the owner of the horse was actually my wife. And so we started talking a lot and um, because I kept having to fix her horse's stall. So we started talking and during that time I, I had started going back to church. I went to a non-denominational Christian church. Like were you raised in the church? Like tell us about Yeah, yeah totally. Um yeah, so I was I was raised in the church. My parents are strong LDS members. Um they are loving and caring. And you know, we did the father and sons camp outs. I went to young men's camp, all all of the above. The only thing I don't think I ever did was EFY. I don't even know if that's still a thing anymore, but <laughs> EFY was really popular when I was young because we didn't have social media yet. So it was like a way for all of the youth to kind of get involved. But yeah, I was raised in the church. I was baptized um, when I was 18, right before I joined the military. That's when like I had kind of started pushing boundaries in high school. 
I was dating this girl pretty seriously. And when we broke up, I just kind of like fell away from the church. And that's when the military became like a better option. Um, that's kind of when <laughs> the path of destruction happened for me. I just started making poorer and poorer choices, especially being in the military. Drinking is pretty ingrained in military members and smoking and all kinds of things. So I just started falling away slowly. It was like a slow, you know, I don't think one day I don't, I think it's very rare that one day someone just decides like, I'm not going to be LDS and then decides to like go full force breaking all every single rule. I think it's like a slow step-by-step like, Oh, I kind of want to like push the boundary here or, or, or maybe they're not even searching to push boundaries. They just don't know what they don't want. So they, you know, kind of like step, 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 step. And then before you know it, you're like, how did I get here? I was uh, raised LDS, very strong. All of my siblings are, most of them are are inactive. Some are active, but yeah, we were raised in the church, went to church every Sunday. I went to seminary before school because on the East Coast, that's what you had to do. It wasn't like part of the curriculum yeah. at Lake school. Yeah, that was good. I have one brother who went on a mission. He's an RM. Um, he's not really active right now, but it was a long, slow, drawn out process to, to fall as far as I did. <laughs> Jump forward to when this non-denominational church thing started happening i was several months into my sobriety i was just lost i you know i had been such a heavy drinker and had fallen so far that like i didn't know it's really hard to explain to people when you don't have the spirit what it's like to find it again um (laughs) yeah it's uh i mean how do you how do you explain to someone what warm feels like if all they ever have known is cold you know like it's it's very difficult to do I started just looking again. I went to a non-denominational church and they, they sang this song called, um, I think it's called Jesus Comes to Fight for Me. It, it's like a, kind of like a Christian rock song. I heard that song and it was the first time that I had felt the spirit in like, you know, like 10 years. And uh, it was very emotional for me. It wasn't in an LDS church. I had not felt the spirit in a long time. I had been through like a lot of trials and tribulations and um, I just was lost. And so to feel to feel that again was rewarding and it meant that like there was something out there and that being sober was okay and that there would eventually be things like would be okay so that was that was kind of where it started for me yeah okay so at the point where you were at the non-denominational church this is when you were living on the the horse property right uh, yep yep and so where, where- cosmetology school come in like so you're at you're at um you're in the military and you're drinking a whole bunch and then you did you leave like what was your leaving the military like i ets out of the military regularly i got into like residential remodels after that so i started doing remodel work and i like i said i ping-ponged all over the place doing that it it paid pretty good um but i could never like really break the boundary of success because my drinking always got in the way you know I don't think people really understand how much the partying gets in the way. Even if it's just a few beers at night or just on the weekends, like those hours, that's when people pull ahead. If you want to live a regular life and do the regular things, and then you'll get that. But I can never quite make the boundary because every time I did or got close, I would just get reined back in. Yeah. So I ping-ponged around doing remodel work and I landed in Phoenix and my drinking got really bad in Phoenix because it was miserable. I, I don't like the heat. So I was inside all the time. I didn't know anybody. It was not a great place for me. And I hadn't used my GI bill yet. And I met this guy. I did a remodel for this guy. He had a really nice house. And I was like, what do you do? And he was like, I'm a hairstylist. And I had not heard of like, I didn't know that there was like a male hairstylist before. So that was news to me. I just thought that like male 
guys were barbers. Mm-hmm. And so he was, did really well for himself. And he's like, yeah, you should check it out, man. I make a lot of money and I get to work in the AC all day. It's better than working out in the hot sun like you. <laughs> so I used my GI Bill and I went to hair school. And um, GI Bill. Uh, so when you serve in the military, if you serve like a full four-year contract, they'll pay for your tuition. And then they'll also give you like a monthly housing allowance while you're in school. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I use that. Like basically it was free school. And uh, <laughs> that's why I like, you know, when the drinking got really bad and it looked like I wasn't going to graduate because I just kept missing days. I, that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to waste. I spent four years earning this and I'm going to waste it if I do not <laughs> get my stuff together and go graduate. Mm-hmm. Then I moved to Utah and to finish cosmetology school. I was still doing remodel work at that time on the side to, to subsidize money. And um, I met <laughs> on my 90th day of sobriety. Oh man, it, it's like, it gets emotional to think about because um, looking back, I can, I can see like divine intervention. I don't know if you ever felt that way, but it's a good feeling. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so inspiring. You can, you can look back if you have like a mindset, I can be like, that was planned. It had to have been planned. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So at that ranch that I was living on, someone had left this broken down motorcycle out front of it and it had been sitting there for like two weeks and I'm a motorcycle guy. So after the two weeks, I pushed it onto the property and it, and it sat there in the back of the barn for like two months. And finally, it was my 90th day of sobriety. And previous to this, I had failed on my 90th day. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to stay out of trouble today. And uh, I'm just going to work on this motorcycle. And that's how I'm going to ride through the next line of sobriety. And I was still just going to non-denominational church at this point. And I hadn't met my wife yet. Her, her horse was not boarding there yet. And so I called the police and I was like, hey, I found this motorcycle. I don't know what to do with it. I'd like to work on it. Um, can you guys come take a look and tell me what I can do about it? So they came out to the barn. They looked at it. And then they arrested me for being in possession of stolen property. <laughs> what yeah yeah and so i got so i had bought a truck from a guy that lived or didn't live but he boarded at that ranch and while i was getting into the police car that guy was like hey can i borrow your truck while you're you know going to figure this out and i was like sure so i gave him the truck keys i went down to the jailhouse called my dad <laughs> okay my dad has bailed me out of jail multiple times at this point <laughs> and so i called my dad and then i was like hey I'm in jail. And he was like, nope. <laughs> and I was like, I promise it's not like the other times. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm still sober. It was a complete fluke. By the good graces of God, my dad came and bailed me out. He said he felt urged to do it. So he came and bailed me out. And on the drive home, he said, I want you to go see my bishop. And I was like, I, I'm going to church. You know, I don't know why it's so important to you, but all right, I guess I'll go talk to your bishop because it means a lot to you and you're my dad and I love you and you built me out of jail and I want to, I will do that for you. Got back to my trailer that night. The guy that borrowed my truck that I had just bought off of for seven grand, it was like all the money I had, I had borrowed it. And he took off with my truck, gone, disappeared. You know, I just got bailed out of jail. <laughs> I'm 90 days sober. My truck is gone. And I was like, I was, I was just in shock at this point. And, um, in that moment, it was like a make or break moment. It was like, are you going to go back to drinking and just like, let's forget about it. Have a couple of beers tonight. Or are you going to push through and do the right thing? And in that moment I chose 
to follow through and do what my dad asked and go talk to his bishop. And that bishop meeting changed my entire life. <laughs> it, really, it changed wow. everything for me. Yeah. I met a guy. His name is Spencer Townsend. And we argued in his office for three months straight, every Sunday, every Sunday after church, we would go in there and hammer. We just, it wasn't even arguing. It was just debating. Well, what about this? What about this? And we would just conversate. And a lot of times it wasn't even debating. There's a lot of spiritual things that I really just enjoyed talking to him about. And um, during that time, that's when Erica started boarding her horse there. I had built this rapport with this bishop and I had done some remodel work for him. Like at his, he owns a very successful gutter company and I'd done some remodel work for him. And, and I had always worked hard and been responsible with my time. And uh, I had just graduated high school, 1600 hours of my time. And right at that moment, all of these things came together. And he was like, hey, I've been thinking about starting a tree company. I don't want to run the whole thing. Would you be interested in helping me build this? And I was like, let me think about it. Because I just spent 1600 hours training to do hair, which is over a year of work. I just felt prompted to pursue it with him. I trusted this guy. He, he had... I had like been to church debates with him and I was getting ready to receive. I had finally gotten to the point where I had accepted the church again and I was ready to get my Melchizedek priesthood back. And I had just met this girl and everything was going like my way from there. Um, we started the tree company a few months later. I got my priesthood back. Um, my wife wasn't even my girlfriend at this point came to see me get my priesthood back. And, um, that Bishop was like, I don't know about you two, but something's going on here. And I think it's going to work out. He <laughs> put her on the spot in front of everybody. It was very terrifying. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, here we are four years later, um, you know, three or four years later, I went from living in a trailer. We bought our first house. We lived in the loft that we built next door to the house. We now own the main house. We live in the main house and rent out the loft. And um, I bought that, that Bishop and me spent a lot of Sundays working. He called me into preschool with him. Spent a lot of a lot of time teaching these like sixteen year old priests how to be great young men, and um, we built this tree company to be big and successful. We have about eight employees, and and uh, it got to the point where he thought I was capable of handling it, and I bought him out, and everything is just good. I don't know how. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, I love that so cool. much. I feel really blessed when I look at my life. I mean, yeah, to know that like four years ago I was sleeping, I didn't even have a car <laughs> to to being here and having my wife and, and a house and, and being able to pay it forward to these. I have a bunch of employees who are like on their sober journey and being able to help them. And, and man, it's just, I couldn't, there is no other explanation than a higher power. And I try to explain that to people and some people agree with it and some people don't, but to me, it is, it is undescribable proof that, it, that a higher power exists. Cause I don't think I'm special. I think I, I just, put my faith into someone who made me special. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. So did you ever find your truck? Like, did the guy ever, did you ever? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I took him to small claims court and I won. Um, but they said, uh, the only way to get your money is to like find somebody to garnish their wages. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. So I guess that's that. <laughs> wow. wow. But you know what? That seems so detrimental to me at that time. It, it was like, I lost this truck that I just bought. It was the nicest thing that I owned. All these things. We had a work truck. I had a work truck stolen two weeks ago and, and I didn't even, it didn't even phase me. I mean, it was like, oh, that sucks. And like the foreman that drives it, I felt really bad for. We got it back four days later. But in that moment, I was like, how blessed am I 
that this is not detrimental to my company or life or anything that I can lose a truck that was way nicer than the other truck that I had. And it's not like the end of the road for me. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I love that. Yeah. Um, So you mentioned that you, when you first, well, first you started off going to the non-denominational church. And then you mentioned that you were in the Bishop's office debating a lot and like having these conversations. What were the things that were like holding you back from just like coming back to the LDS church? Like what, what was it? What was the reason that you went to the non-denominational and not, and not the LDS church in the beginning? I think the LDS church, like, because I grew up there, I knew the standards and the standards are high. The standards aren't like, you know, at non-denominational church, you can still be having some beers, drinking some coffee, you know, find a girlfriend, move in together and like, you just have your faith and it's good. And I was like, man, I wanted to eat my cake and have it too. I mean, honestly, that's the truth. I wanted to not have to do all the hard things. And, and that's great. Honestly, any relationship with God is better than no relationship. Yeah. So if that's all you need to do, I tell people that are trying to get back into their faith, start where you feel comfortable. Go, go, Just go start asking questions. If you don't like that church, a different church until you start, you know, just start on the path and it will get you where you want to go. So I just wanted to eat my cake and have it too. For me... Uh, you know, what I've come to learn about myself through four years of sobriety is that I'm an, I'm a very black and white human. I'm an all or nothing kind of guy. I am too. I yeah. totally <laughs> You too? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's great. Other times it is, it's, it's not the best. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. um, I kind of knew that going back to LDS church, you know, everyone is so warm and welcoming and, and sometimes honestly, it can be a little overwhelming for people. I think, you know, to have all these people coming up to you and just, Hey, how are you? Do you want to come to like the activity on Wednesday? And at these other churches you go in, I would get my, my little cookies out of the cookie jar and out there and watch them and, and try and feel the spirit. And then I would leave and I wouldn't talk to anybody. And it was, yeah. it was like a, kind of like dipping your toes in the water a little bit. Mm-hmm. I knew that I was missing something once I felt the spirit. Then I knew that I had, I, I had um, fallen pretty far from like what I knew I could and should be. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of why after I started talking to that Bishop, you know, that those are the questions that I would ask him and and I would, (laughs) I would sit in sacrament meeting and I would be looking at all these people and they would, some of them, not all of them, but some, some people would be on their phones, you know, during, during the talks and, um, or just not paying attention or sleeping. And and I would tell them, I'd be like, this is so frustrating. Like, I'm not even a member of this church and these people are out here just looking at their phones and doing all these things. They don't even have enough respect for the speaker to not be doing that. And he was like, why are you so worried about what they're doing? And I was like, why you got to do me like that? <laughs> you know? It's like, you're right. I don't know why I'm so worried about what they're doing. I, I don't know why, but that, that was the realization change moment for me that I was just making excuses. You know, like that was just another excuse of like, why I didn't want to be active. Oh, well, look at all these other people. Well, are you here for them? Or are you here for you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What advice would you have for somebody that's like, doesn't feel like they want to commit to all the high standards that the church has? And what, what advice would you have for them if they're like, eh, I'm good. Like I'm good over here. Like doing what I'm doing. Like what would yeah. you say? I honestly struggle with that a little bit because I, like I said, I mean, you and me are black and white kind of people, right? I'm an all in or all out kind of human. And so sometimes I have, I still struggle with that one. If I'm being honest in my personal journey, I, I have a hard time looking at people who tell me they're LDS, but then drink on the weekends and get tattoos and 
do all the things that like I used to do when I was an inactive member, but then tell me they're active, you know, or like I've seen people like post beautiful pictures of them baptizing their child, but I know that they're consuming alcohol on the weekends or out partying with their friends or not using like, you know, people make mistakes. I, I get that. Um, yeah. We are imperfect and striving towards perfection and, and we're going to fall short every time. So I would say that if you are, if you are struggling with the weight of the responsibilities that are um, bestowed upon us, I think that you just need to make a decision to do the very best that you can. And, and there are simple slips, you know, I would rate using foul language way lower than premeditating a slumber party with someone that you should not be slumber partying with, you know? (laughs) So I think do your very best, but also be honest with yourself. If if you really want to be this person, then be this person. Don't say you're this and then be that. Be true to yourself and who you want to be. You know? What do you think is like like tell me about your experience with like how you feel inside, like being full hundred percent in in comparison to being like like tell me about that where I mean, because I was there you know, I was a heroin addict and I was like way far off the deep end. And like, I know how it feels to be a hundred percent in and black and white thinking. And like, tell me like your experience with how you feel being a hundred percent in versus feeling not a hundred percent in. What do I, how do I feel about being all in? Um, it's a heavy burden. My friends look, look at me differently. I have lost relationships because of it. Not, not in like, I feel like a lot of people sometimes are looking for sympathy or, or, you know, it's like a victim mentality where they're like, Oh yeah, I've lost so many friends because I chose my faith again. It's not like most people are not oh because you're LDS. I don't want to talk to you anymore. It, it just is a natural occurrence because you no longer have things in common. You right. Know? So it's, I think some people use it as a sympathy plea, but it's not really a sympathy plea. Like I, I didn't lose, people didn't stop hanging out with me because um, they disrespected my faith or my choices we just stopped hanging out because we didn't have anything to do anymore. We were not partying. Oh, yeah. There was no drugs or drinking. So it was like, yeah. I stopped getting calls, you know, and to me being all in is like, that's, that's what I need in order to do. I can't look at myself in the mirror knowing that I didn't give a hundred percent in everything that I do. Like I, I go on my runs every morning. I go to the gym, I go to work. I do my, I, I run the company and I feel really ashamed, not ashamed, but I feel really just like, let down with myself when I, when I know that I was lazy or didn't do a good enough job. And so that's how I feel with the gospel too. You know, if I'm, I teach young men's and, and if we're falling behind and I'm not doing good lessons, I feel bad about that because that's my calling. I was asked to do that. And those guys are going to be the ones changing the next generation and the next generation. So I, I take it very seriously. And, and I know when people are looking at me, especially employees or friends, I don't like being a bad example. I don't like being you know, oh yeah, Trevor's LDS, but you know, he'll, he'll still come and party. Like, it's fine. I don't live to that standard anymore. And that's great because now everyone, I have trust that I didn't ever used to have. People know that I'm going to do the things that I say I'm going to do. And that's something that I really value. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love that. I yeah. love that so much. Well, so tell me, um, what advice would you have for, um, anybody that is feeling like they, that was maybe in your situation, anybody that's struggling with drugs and alcohol, but they feel kind of empty and they're thinking about coming back to church. What advice would you have? 
I've done this conversation a lot, <laughs> but I think I want to start tweaking it a little bit. I I normally tell people just t- try to be different. Just start praying about it and um, you'll find the answers. You know, just, just very generic, normal answers that you hear all the time. But I gave a talk last year in state conference about being inactive and coming becoming active again. And I think it correlates to that question. And that's that um there's a misconception that people have. It's it's like the hero story, right? People hear my story and they think, oh, that moment with the motorcycle and the bishop, that was when everything changed for him. It was a click. You know, or Alma the younger um getting struck dumb and then three days later his whole life is different. And that's just not realistic. The hero story is like, you know, the Rocky fight scene where he's training and everything is getting better. And he like in a matter of minutes becomes from not being able to beat the guy to beat the guy. That's just not really how it works. It's a long, slow, consistent process. I didn't one night choose to just have perfect faith. And then the next day it was good. I just chose to keep choosing faith over and over and over and over and over again. And because of that, my faith got stronger. I chose to trust that the Lord is going to take care of me. I chose to trust that like, I'm not going to drink and the Lord has better plans for me, even though my truck got snoring, even though I got arrested, even though this, you know, hair school might not be the right answer. This feels right. I'm going to choose to have faith and hopefully it pans out. This girl shut me. She shut me down, by the way, on our first, when I asked her on our first date, (laughs) I'm going to keep trying and hopefully, you know, I'm not going to annoy her and, and we'll see what happens. And I just chose to like keep having faith over and over and over again. And um, that's how I developed my faith. So just, I think my advice would be to know that you're not going to change it overnight, but to just keep trying. And then someday you'll look back and be like, I don't really know how my faith got developed. It just did one day. It's almost like by small and simple things, great things will come to pass. Yep. Yep. There you go. (laughs) Very accurate. Yeah. How, how, um, what was like, how do you feel like your faith is now compared to, you know, last year or the first year you got sober or. So there was something that somebody said about when you're first starting to come back and you see those little like miracles happening, that are like pushing you back. One of the guests on the podcast said that's like training wheels, like your training wheels yeah. are on and then, and then your training wheels come off. And it's like, I think the Lord requires more of you. He requires more faith of you. And you don't have all these things that are like, right in front of you. And it takes effort to, on your part to, you know, like more time in the scriptures, like actual time and dedication to seeking out those spiritual experiences instead of just like messages from God, literally like right in front of your face. And, And so I think like over the years, that's one of the things that I've really realized is just that by putting in the time and by doing those things that like bring me closer to the Lord, it, it pays off. Like my husband and I, we didn't go to the temple for a while, like COVID happened. And then just like, and it's yeah. funny because we lived like literally right down the street from the bountiful temple, but we were like so busy and we've got little kids and like all these excuses and like all these things. And we went to the temple. Um, I mean, I would, go on my own occasionally, but we went to the temple together, um, a couple weeks ago. And after we left, we were like, Oh my gosh, like what a huge thing that's been missing in our life. Like, yeah, we both just felt like so uplifted by it. And it's interesting because like the temple requires a sacrifice of your time. And yeah. like, also I got to, you know, ask 
find a babysitter for our kids. And it's like, you, you are taking time out of your life and putting it into and like giving that up for the Lord. And I think that when you do that, it's like, you see these, like these fruits of it, but it requires that effort on your part. And so I think that that's something that like I've learned is that like over time, if you put in the time and in the effort and you make the sacrifice, you will see the fruits of that in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Me and me and my wife, our first year of marriage was a ton of work. We had so much on our plate. We were building this loft and running an Airbnb. And, you know, I was still like very green in my sobriety. So I was just running, you know, trying to like stay on top of it. I was in that point where you always have to be busy, you know, mm-hmm. when we, it was, it was during COVID when we would miss Sundays, we, it was so funny. Her family, we go to family dinner every Sunday without fail every Sunday for the last you know three years of marriage. We go to her family's dinner. It's very important. And um, at first it used to cause problems. It's like, I only have one day off a week. I want to relax. But now it's a part of our tradition and I love it. But at that time I was still new to everything. The days that we would miss church, everyone at her family's house knew that we had a bad day. <laughs> they could tell the second we walked in the door and they were like, you guys have been fighting today. <laughs> and it was without fail, always the days that we skipped church. Anytime we went to church, totally fine. If we skip church for some reason, oh, we're just going to have like a nice stay at home day and like, cuddle in bed nope instant fight i don't know why it worked that way but it did so that became like a staple for us can't miss church or it's gonna be a bad day (laughs) yeah i love that yeah it's what you requires that time yeah well awesome so trevor do you have any final parting words of wisdom for us before we wrap up i would say if you're if you're starting on your journey just understand that it's small like you said small simple steps small simple steps over and over and over again it's all about repetition just doing it over and over and over again and, and being consistent with your effort. And if you do those things, you will get where you're going. I promise, because I know it in my own personal life, it has progressively gotten better. And that's because I just consistently do the things that the Lord asked me to do, even, even when they're difficult, you know, having faith that the Lord will provide a way. And now I've gotten to the point where it's pretty blind faith, sometimes almost too much. I just have faith that things are going to work out. And sometimes my wife is like, maybe you should look before you jump sometime. <laughs> like, oh, it'll probably be fine. <laughs> you know? So I would just say, yeah, small, consistent efforts, look to friends and family or people. Most people that are in the church have recovery stories like you and me. I feel like most people want to help you. So reach out and we will help you. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Trevor, for jumping on the podcast. And yeah, it was so great to have you. Yeah, thanks, Ashley. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. Hey, guys. First off, I want to give you a heartfelt thank you to all of you that support the podcast. We wouldn't be able to get this message out without all of your help, so thank you so much. I've had a few questions come in from people that aren't on social media, so I just wanted to let you guys know that we do have a website. It's www.comebackpodcast.org. You can find all of our episodes here. Um, There's a list of our book club selections, and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks again. We love you guys so much.